Well, it's great to be here. This is a real joy that I have to see all of you. I'm amazed. I, I figured there'd be maybe 50 people. I didn't think it'd be full like this. <laughs> but it's wonderful what God has done and he's going to do through this church. Uh, if you could see the future, uh, you will be shocked. It's going to grow and grow until there's no buildings big enough to hold. So you go to two services, and then that'll be too small, and then you'll buy a building somewhere. I don't know where, but you're going to keep growing. And uh, that's exciting. That's very exciting. Uh, I'm going to share a word that's a little different uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about you, about the church, and uh, what you mean to God. Uh, I know that when I started out 60-some uh, years ago, I'm, I'm 86, going on 87, and I know I look young. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But uh, 60 some years ago, I, we started out with 13 people around an oil stove, and that was the beginning of our church. And we grew until we bought a theater. And I really started in a theater just like you, but not with this many people. <laughs> we had about 100 people, and uh, that was the beginning of Bible Temple. And we just fell in love with what we were doing, but we never grew. And I want to talk to you about growth, because I know if you're normal, you would like to see growth. You'd like to see the children grow up. You'd like to see yourself grow up. And uh, God wants you to grow up. He wants everybody to reach their peak in God. Now, let me ask you a question. What is your most precious uh, possession? Think about it for a moment. If, if you had to just select one thing and you lost everything else, what would you want to be that possession? Because that's the way Jesus is. Jesus has one possession in mind, and that's you. Did you know that? I'm going to prove that in a moment here in the scriptures. Jesus' one possession is to have you as his people. And uh, I've, I, when I discovered that and I fell uh, in love with what he loves, we begin to grow. Now, our church, if you know anything about Bible Temple, City Bible now, uh, we have churches all over the world. Thousands of churches have sprung out of a little 13-group people that finally focused in on what he loved. Now, if I ask you this question, what is your most precious possession? 
Are you thinking? It is your wife, if you're a man. The most precious possession you have is your wife. It's not your car. It's not your bank account. It's not your house. It's not even your kids, but it's your wife. You give everything you have to protect her, to love her, to cover her, to provide for her. She is the most precious possession you have. And I want to read a scripture, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. It's found over in Ephesians 5.25. 5.25. Now, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures today because we base everything on this word. Is that right? We don't base it on our word. We base it on his word. Ephesians 5.25, listen to what it says. Husbands, love your wives. And then it goes on and says, just as Christ also loved the church. The same bond that I have towards my wife is the same bond that Christ has towards you. You are his wife. Let me go on and read it now. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Now, this is what he says about you. He wants you to be that glorious wife. Now, it goes on and says here, not having any spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We sang about that today. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You can't get any closer than being identified with his flesh and with his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father. Did Christ leave his father? He certainly did and came down here to love us and help us to be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, isn't that powerful? And when he talks about a husband and a wife and being flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, he says, um, this is a great mystery how Two people can become one, and that's what happens when you get married. You become one. And he said, this is a great mystery, but I don't speak about a husband and a wife. I'm speaking about Christ and his church. Over in Revelations, the scripture says in Revelations 19, verse 7, or is it? 
yeah, I believe it's 19. Anyway, it says his wife has made herself ready. Now, we've been here this morning, and I have to admire you because of the worship that you gave the Lord. I want him. I want to be close to his heart. I want to be able to touch his heart, and he touched me. That's how we should come to the house of the Lord. We want to be one with Jesus. That's the most important thing we can do is to be one with Jesus. Now, you, if you read these scriptures, he says here, and listen to what he says here in 1 John 4, 2, with this thought in mind. But this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come, not he did come or he will come. We know that. But he says, Christ has come. Do you know Jesus is here this morning? He is in this place where two or three are gathered together in his name. There I am. And so right now, Jesus is here. How do you know Jesus is here? Because he said he would be here. Now, if you want to touch Jesus, how do you touch him? You touch one another. Is that right? In other words, the closer you become as a body, the more presence Jesus has in your life. And he goes on and says in Matthew 24, listen, or excuse me, Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonderful works in your name? Then I shall declare to them, notice the next words, I never knew you. That, that's an intimate relationship. I never had an intimate relationship. So it doesn't matter how many miracles you might do and prophesy and, and cast demons out. That doesn't make you one with him. What makes you one with him is that you recognize Jesus Christ has come and you are one with him. That's the most important thing you can do in this meeting is become one with Jesus. And he goes on and, and, and repeats this. He says uh, that they, they uh, I never knew you, uh, you that work uh, lawlessness. And then he says in, Matthew, in Psalms 68, the Lord has set the solitary, this individual, in the families, and they are there because he put them there. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Now God has set every member in the body as it pleases him. You're not here by chance. Do you know that God put in your heart, someday I want to be close to him. 
and you gave your life to Jesus, you accepted him as your savior, and here you are, and you're one with Jesus Christ. That's the most important part of your existence. You are one with Jesus Christ. Listen to Psalms 132. I love this. Verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell and I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. I like your name of your church, Joy Christian Fellowship, because that's a sign that Jesus is here. If, if you didn't have any joy, then I wouldn't even want to be here. But... <laughs> You are full of joy, and I'm glad to be here just to have this overriding spirit of God. God says he wants you to have joy. I had an interesting thing happen to me when we were about 100 people in that little theater. I had a pastor, a prophet, tell me there was evil in my heart, and it wasn't the people, it was in you. Well, that was a hard word. It was in front of my people, the 100 people. The pastor has evil in his heart. And I thought, what evil do I have in my heart? And that was a very difficult time for me because people started watching everything I did to see what the evil was in my heart. And I, this went on for six weeks. And I walk the floor at night, Lord, what's the evil you're talking about? What's the evil you're talking about? Portland, Oregon was my home since I was eight years old when my parents came from Minnesota and brought me there at eight years old. And uh, I didn't like Portland because I felt Portland didn't open the door for my ministry. And uh, I thought, Portland's an awful place to, to raise up a church. And I didn't like Portland. And I didn't like the people I served, the 100 people. They were, they were a bad batch of sheep. <laughs> if they were a good batch of sheep, they'd appreciate me. And they don't appreciate me. And those two things, listen to me carefully now, because... This is the gist of what I wanted to leave with you. I didn't love Portland, the city of man, and I didn't love the city of God, which is the church. I didn't love those two. And while I was walking the floor about 2 o'clock in the morning, I said, God, what is the evil that's in my heart? And guess what he said? He said, the evil that's in your heart is you don't, Love what I love. Yep. Whoa. I don't love what you love. I love the city of man. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, right? And he loves the house of God. That's 
That's his wife. And you don't love, whether you love your ministry, you love your travels, you love what you get out of it, but you don't love what he loves. And we all have to ask ourselves, do we love what he loves? Do we really love the house of God? And I realized I didn't love Portland and I didn't love the little church we pastored. And I went to my church at that time, this is many years ago, and before that 100 people, I said, I want to confess to you, I found out what the evil was in my heart. I don't love you like I'm supposed to love you. And uh, when I said that, something happened. I apologized. I said, I'm going to love you until the last breath I have. I will love you from now on. Please forgive me. And the Lord did something to me. He put a love in my heart for that hundred people. And he put a love in my heart for the city of Portland, Oregon. Now, I ask you this question. Do you love what he loves? Do you love Eugene, Springfield, wherever you're from up here? Do you love what he loves? If you want to grow, you have to love what he loves. If you don't love what he loves, you're not going to grow. He's not going to bless you if you don't love your city and if you don't love the house of God. These are the two things I ask God to forgive me. And when he did, that little church of 100 people in that theater, it began to grow and grow until we packed it out to the back. Then we started the second service. Then we built a building next to it that would seat 1,500 instead of 650. And we filled that, and we filled it twice. Then we built the domes that we live in now for, that would seat 3,000 people. And it grew until we doubled the size of that church. Today, we're well over 6,000 people. And... We have churches now all over the world because we started Portland Bible College. I've already met several of you that, that went to Portland Bible College. That was the beginning of what God wanted to do in our lives. Now, my challenge this morning, and I want to just leave it with you, do you love what God loves? Do you love this house? I think you should. This is a great house. Forget you being in a theater. You are the body of Christ. You're the wife of Jesus. Come on, let's tell him. We love him. We love him. Do you love your city? You, you wouldn't be here if you didn't love the city. Eugene is God's city. And God wants not only to the ducks to win, but he wants you to be a winner, to love what he loves. Now, my challenge to you this morning is to ask yourself that question. Do I love what he loves?
Do I love what Jesus loves? I look over this city. I, I think you're a great people. I appreciate Pastor and his wife inviting me here because I know I'm with people who love what he loves. And I want you to answer that question. Do you love what Jesus loves? Do you love the house of God? Uh, are you here because he's going to be here? Do you love this city where God has set you, planted you in this city? Do you love this city? You can have ministry, but he said, and I read it, it doesn't matter if you cast out devils and do many wonderful works. If you don't love what he loves, he's not going to bless you. But the moment you say, I love what you love, Lord Jesus, yes. guess what's going to happen? You're going to grow as you are. It's obvious you love the house of the Lord or you wouldn't be here today. And he wants to bless you and add to you, prosper you, open many doors, and give you uh, the fulfillment of being in love with what he loves. And so I come to the close of this message. That's my question. Do you love what he loves? Do you love this house? I don't think you'd be here if you didn't love it. Do you love this city? I believe you're here because God planted you here to love what he loves. And say that with me, to love what he loves. And that's the key of growth. That's the key of prosperity. That's the key of everything. Ever since I fell in love with what he loved, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. Uh, family, I have four wonderful children. Uh, I've been blessed over and over again. But if you don't love what he loves, there's no blessing. That's why it's important for you to give your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love what you love. And Jesus will say, good, I will prosper you. I will bless you. I will add to you. I will expand you. And you will then see the works of God in your life. Would you bow your heads in prayer and let me pray for you? Every head bowed, please. Because this morning, I'm going to pray that God's going to give you a love for the house of God. And he's going to give you the prosperity that you've dreamed of. It's coming your way. While our heads are bowed, if you are here and you've never made that decision, that Jesus is Lord, and I love what he loves. That's how you get saved, is to accept Jesus and then love what he loves.